logo. Welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. As you know, each and every week, we have a, a guest who's either an entrepreneur, a leader, uh, and in some cases, I have dadpreneurs too. And in this case, my guest, James Davis, is the owner of Tech Commandos, and he is absolutely a dadpreneur. James, welcome to the Dadpreneur Podcast. Thank you, Alex. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. So you and I were just chatting about work-life balance and how there really isn't work-life balance. And I was saying, I am always very protective of that. When it's time to work, it's work. When it's time to have fun, have fun. But it's so nice to be able to be there for your family. And you were just telling me about your son. Tell us about that story a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to the work-life balance thing, I don't know whether the media has always given us the straight skinny on it because I've owned Tech Commandos now for 22 years. I've owned multiple businesses. I own more than one business now. And, and with that said, you know, I, I'm as busy as the next guy. Um, and I always could be even more busier. But I think the, the key indicator that we discussed was, is that it isn't so much an equation as it is being at the right place at the right moment. So the example I had given was I had the opportunity for a late afternoon lacrosse game for my youngest son, Ben. And... Um, you know, he loves it because, you know, he'll see me in the stands and there's a connection. And I guess what I really try to say with the work balance thing is, is it's in the moment and that connection you can make in the moment that has the real value. If there is an equation, then saying, well, 50 percent of the time I got to be working, 50 percent I got to be with my children or my family or my wife and I work with my wife. And, you know, you know. Even with the working with the wife, there's times that it needs to be James, the husband, the lover, <laughs> and times James, the CEO, and she's my partner. And, you know, I have to bounce things off her. And, you know, so I just don't know whether it's like a black and white equation, but I think that the important thing is saying there's a moment and knowing what you need to address with that moment, whether it's James or you as the entrepreneur being a businessman or woman, or if it is being the, the spouse or the father you know, to your children. I so agree with that. I think that flexibility and recognizing that, and as you said, being in the moment, it's something that most people don't really get to enjoy um, unless they're in that world of entrepreneurship. And we could talk about a lot of the great things of which we will about being an entrepreneur and a dadpreneur. Um, but I want to go back a little bit further because like me, you and your wife, or like myself and my wife, you guys are also partners. Um, and you've been since that that dot com boom. And you were talking to me about that story about how when everything crashed, you kind of looked around and thought, do I go back to a nine to five, a job or do I start and, you know, start a new company and think a lot like me. And I think many of the, the entrepreneurs I talk to their spouses, be the husband or the wife. One key component is having that partner who is you know, encouraging you and there to back you up. To me, it gives me such like great confidence on top of what I already have. Is that how it worked for you? Her pushing you in that direction? Did it just give you that extra like, I got it. You trust me, I'm going to go. Yeah. So my wife is a Jersey girl. So she's got a little push on her own. It just comes with living in New Jersey. Um, I'm from Colorado, <laughs> where it's a little less pushy. Um, but um the, the reference of the story was that, um, uh, you know, I've had the privilege of working in several businesses with my wife, but um, coming up to 2000 and just before that, I had been working with a lot of startups and I actually had the privilege of taking one of them public. I was just an employee in the company, but I was there to take them public on the NASDAQ 
with that said, I was riding the dot-com bubble with all these uh, startups and it went kaboom with the last one. And I found myself in, in a brand new house that really required two of us to be working with uh, Nanny and my youngest son at six and a half months. Um, uh, first one to go was the Nanny. Um, and technically I was the second one to go, but I'll get to that in a moment. But I was taking care of my son for a few months. And then my wife just turned to me and said, I don't care what you do, but, you know, go figure out something. Because what was happening was the job market was all tightened up. I was interviewing like crazy, but it was getting zero traction. It's a, one of the toughest things that if you're in a recession trying to get a job, mm-hmm. um, or at least at that moment for me, specifically with my skill set. But um, that nudge, that push, that shove out of the nest, uh, my wife, Jerry, got me going with the current company I have now, Tech Commandos. And I've had it for 22 years. And we've been very, very successful. Uh, I've been through all the ups and the downs, through another couple of recessions along the way, um, and uh, had all the key moments in being a business owner. But uh, yeah, I would definitely say having your wife being your partner, um, you know, in that case, she wasn't in the business yet, but at about 15 years, or the last 15 years of the 22 years, she has been with me uh, directly. But the entire time she was there as my partner, somebody to to bounce off of and that is so important. Yeah, and I know so many of so many um couples who work together and most of them have really great experiences. I think most of us realize that communication is like the number one thing, but beyond that, as long as you see eye to eye on sort of like where you're going and how you want to move things, clearly two people are going to have different set of skills, you know, and so I know that's been the case for me and so many other couples that I know who run businesses together. The question that we all get, I'm sure you get as well, James, is like, oh my God, how is it working with family? I think it's fantastic. What do you think? So I've gone to conferences and had every, people just tell me, oh, you need to fire her immediately. <laughs> I'm like, you've got no clue. When it's really good, it's incredible. So I guess, you know, first of all, I'll just say this with any partnership, it could be your best friend. It could be something you need along the way on your person's journey. In my case, it happened to be my wife. And I've seen it work really well with wives for a lot of people. But when a partnership really works, then it is, it's more than one plus one. It's one, one plus one equals five. And, you know, what Jerry really brought was, you know, what we did was we agreed on the vision and then we broke up the company into parts and worked those individual parts. And then we'd come back for any major decisions. And it was, we made sure it was really kind of clean cut and dry and kind of bring it back to dad and your family. You know, it's sort of like how your kids sometimes will try to uh, uh, split the mom and dad a little bit on like, hey, I want to get this new thing or something. Your employees do the same. But if you come in with a really strong, uh, call it an org chart and a way things are done, like if anybody comes to me for HR, you know, I just go wrong department over to my wife. You know, mm-hmm. if it has anything to do with payroll operations or sales, it's on to her. Anything technical, it's to me. And, you know, just keeping it really delineated is everything. But the key is, is that the two of us come together and strategize the future. And the other thing is, I'll just tell you, to be really upfront, um, you know, if there is any disagreements or something like that, we really try to make sure we work them out. Because, you know, for me, this is really, really fun, um, the, the whole business journey. And the other thing I just would say, I'm sorry, I went a little while is that just recently I said to my wife, you know, I don't think you ever realized it, but we're both on the same path going down to business. 
of why we're on the path of two different reasons. Her reason is her, she knows nothing but her family and her parents working together in business. And for me, it was like the entrepreneurial thing. Like I like the growth, the challenge, the mental twist and chess playing that you got to do to make business work. So it's just interesting to see these kind of dynamics and how they work out. But I love working with my wife. And I think it, like most of us that, that have these types of partnerships and have kids, there's a lot of conversations that are streamlined because they just happen, whether it's something happening in the home front, something happening with the kids in school or the business. You don't have to tell that conversation over and over because both of you are experiencing this all throughout the day. So talk to me about the boys. Obviously, now they're you know getting close to college age. Um, what, what benefits do you think, James, that your boys got from seeing mom and dad work together? Sure. So I think, um, I'll, I think the number one thing is that, um, they don't necessarily totally understand the business. Like they're not like in my case, it's cloud hosting and a lot of technical pieces to it. But the one thing we've always been really open with them about is the money and mm. how, we're making money and that we're self-sufficient and that, you know, this is the one thing that if you do your own business and I kind of say to everybody, I'm the last one to get fired, right? Um, I get to take all the crap and then I'm the last <laughs> one to get fired. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. But um, the, um, you know, I've got one that's in college and about to graduate and um, he's done phenomenally well and he's getting the business bug um, as well. Um, and then my younger one has really gotten it all of a sudden because somebody in his college or it's like his high school, he's a senior now, um, is selling the business for 35 million, paired up with another alumni to build a uh, medical startup. And uh, they're about to sell for like 35 million, which is unbelievable. Wow. And so now all of a sudden his ears are wide open asking us 50,000 questions. But I would just say the number one thing is we always stayed away from like any of the tough stuff that was going on with the business the kids were clueless. They ne we never told them until recently what was really going on yeah. as they became mature. But the one thing we tried to introduce was understanding money because unfortunately our schools really do nothing. It's, a, it's almost a yeah. service, but they don't teach our children about being, you know, smart about your money. You know, unfortunately they say, and I, not that I don't like Jay-Z or any of these other hip hop stars, but you know, they see these unbelievable, Hey, he's on a golf stream and he's, He's got this, he's got that. And Jay-Z worked really hard and nobody ever sees the part of the story where the entrepreneur is busting hump to make it all happen. They just see the part that's like the 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 moment that the, the cameras are flashing. So yeah, and I think recently I, I read, well, recently I read a an article, and I'm trying to remember if it was Harvard, but it was definitely an Ivy League, you know, university that a professor. Uh, of business asked the class, what do you think the average, and these are college students at an Ivy League school, what do you think the average uh, employee makes? The majority, the majority of the class, it was like overwhelming, thought that most people make over a hundred thousand, yeah. six figures. I mean, which is insane. It's insane, but it also underscores the fact that whether it's schools or parents, they're not spending enough times with the kids to to paint that picture of what like what is financial literacy and how do you go about it how do you just just you know look even if you just work a job part-time you're gonna gain some value there of of how to handle money and the value of working but it goes so far beyond that and i think what you're talking about is sharing the key 
elements of finance and then contrasting that with like, look, this is all like fantasy stuff here. But even those guys, if you go read deep into what they're doing, they're going to tell you, man, it took them decades of, you know, crashing and burning over and over before they got to keep their money. And you don't have to do it that way. Like if you're a kid today, there's so many tools, so many apps um, that you can learn financial literacy. So I tell parents all the time, they're saying, well, wh what are you doing to teach your kids? I'm like, I mean, everything. I'll, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, James, we decided, said, well, let's go. I took the four kids to the uh, supermarket and mine are a little younger than yours. But I said, let's take all four. And uh, what I'd like for you guys to do is today we're going to work on a budget. We're going to shop for food. You guys have $100. That's it. Not a penny more. $100, which doesn't get you much, as you know. Most items, average price of an item, if you're not including meat or beer or expensive things like that, average item is like six, seven bucks. So it doesn't get you much. I'm like, I just want to see from fruits to vegetables to the breakfast. This Again, this was just in a... a, a um, you know, an exercise to get them to really think about the value of money. So I think it goes back to what you said, you know, parents, look, I know everybody's busy, everybody's working hard, but take some time, you know, uh, even apps like Bank of America, ha they have this little spending budget tool that, you know, if you open up an account for your kid, like a savings account, put the money in there, it can give you a little pie chart with what the budget is, they set out on a budget, and this is what they spend. It's so important because, most, most of us, you know, you grow up and you don't learn until you make the mistakes, right? Yeah. And I would say that, you know, uh, the, the, the concept of financial literacy, literacy and then turning the, I'm explaining financial security and financial independence and all these different variables are so critical because first of all, their youth is all, is like the, the best asset is that they're young. Mm -hmm. And if they get busy putting in some money and get that compounding, the return is going to be unbelievable. Um, and then also just getting into some great habits. And I, I'm actually like, you know, right now, my, my oldest son, Jacob, is 21. He's uh, actually working while he's in college and he's saving a ton of money. And I'm about to introduce him to uh, Quicken because mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's going to be a senior. He's going to be out on his own. And the things I like about it, it goes to your budgeting purpose, which I think, by the way, that exercise was amazing. Um, I'm not even sure I would pass for that one, but, um, uh, <laughs> and but I made the, them mad as we went, as we went, I made them mad. I'm like, don't, don't, don't say anything. You guys are going to forget. I want to make sure we're right. We were over by like four bucks, which is no big deal. But I said, the right. point is like, you've never been there where you only had a hundred dollars to spend and you spent one hundred four, And then now you have to embarrass yourself sort of to say to the cashier, I'm sorry, I got to take out two, three items. But by the way, that's how most people live. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that, you know, one of the things that you really brought up is, is, you know, I've done this with my children, it's explaining like you did, you know, here's what the median income in the United States is. And then if you look at the median savings, uh, when they retire at 65, it's like 200,000 and change, which is not going to get them very far. Assume maybe they paid off their house. So now their net worth is not that overly high. It's a very dangerous place to be. So, you know, just rolling back to the kind of where we were at is like this whole concept of what you can do for your children, in my mind, and that my wife and I both have done, is certainly the exposure to the business, but just the exposure to real life. I mean, I'd rather be really honest with my kids and tell them everything. Um, I had phenomenal parents, but, you know, my father took me 10% of the way there 
as far as understanding finances, I, you know, I, and I probably, I'm sure my kids will go, that told us maybe 60, 70% there. Hopefully they'll get to hundred percent with their kids. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's the most important thing because um, you know, if you really look at it, you know, you don't have to make that much money to actually do really, really well. No. It's just trying not to spend it all is the key to the game. I so agree with that. And I think that's a, a, a great observation, James, not only for personal, but business life. I know in the failures that I've had in the past as an entrepreneur, many of them had to do, in my case, with, with mismanaging finance, maybe over leveraging, not overspending. I've never been a big spender. However, over leveraging, oh, there's another opportunity. Let me invest in that company, in this company, in this venture, and then not be able to be there. So you learn from those mistakes. And fast forward to today, I think that something that I have in common with entrepreneurs like yourself is that, look, you don't, you you need to have good cash flow. You need to have good, you know, a client concentration that isn't like 20% of the clients make up 80% of revenue, which you and I were talking about. So it's a perfect time for us to shift the conversation to tech commandos. So let's talk entrepreneurship, tech commandos. You guys do cloud, IT. What else do you do there? So it's predominantly... Uh... It's, it's everything in the cloud. So we're either uh, hosting your applications into the cloud. We can take any Windows app and turn it into a web app um, or take the entire desktop. And so, you know, when you look at what just happened with the whole coronavirus and the challenges that that brought on for almost every single business owner, um, you know, all of a sudden everybody's got to be working from home. Our clients were already ready for that whole scenario. And then the clients that we brought on board during that period of time you know, we were able to get them straightened out. And, um, you know, the, the, the current work environment is really lending itself to what we call the hybrid workplace, mm-hmm. which is, you know, businesses are actually downsizing their office profiles because people only want to be there two days a week and the other three at home because I'm not commuting an hour each way. That would have been, you know, three days at six hours right there. You know, let alone I've got expenses that go along with that, whether it be the oh. gas, the wear and the tear or the food. Yeah. Um, and so this idea of working from home is, is you know, it's, you know, one thing the coronavirus has done is it's been an absolute accelerant on anything, whether it be, you know, it's why Amazon has you know, gotten so big is because it's been accelerant for them. You know, the idea of being able to work remotely anywhere, anytime has been phenomenal. And that's become an accelerant, you know, with all coronavirus. And one of the things that, you know, I find is, is that and I've done it with my company is traditionally everyone kind of had to be in my location to do mm-hmm. what we needed to do. Even when we were providing these cloud services, what I've done since the coronavirus is I've morphed the company. I've pulled the best of people outside of my location and literally outside of even our country mm-hmm. um, because they were some of the top talent I could find. And that's the beauty of the, the remote cloud hosting workplace. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. I mean, for us, my my lease, when we had about 40 employees in an office ended in 2000 and end of 2015, going into 2016, James. And I often talk about it in this podcast, just to give examples. I was obsessed with all oh, culture and everybody has to be in an office. But around 2016, I had a few things happen that shifted my mind and I didn't renew the the, the lease. We went virtual. And it took a few years to get it right, not only from a security standpoint, but from just managing employees. But eventually we got it right. By the time coronavirus you know, came around, we, we were pros at it. So it didn't impact us that much. But when I 
think about that time. Uh, and I do have clients right now who went through that, man, it, it would have been so different for me if I hadn't been on the cloud and virtually. And I even think of like certain expenses that you, we would laugh at today. If, if, if I were, you know, calling you to say, Hey, look, um, can you do some consulting work for me so I can set up an office at that time? I mean, we spent tens and thousands on a phone system, right? right. Like, and I, I still have it literally sitting in my garage is huge boxes. And we spent thousands and thousands, beautiful, right? Cause it's equipment you can feel and touch the tangible. Uh, and so it felt great to have like 50 phones and offices and this and that, but it's so funny. I still have a bunch of stuff collecting dust. And from time to time, I donate it. Uh, my security system, I had this huge security system. Um, but again, today I do all of the same stuff for a fraction of the price. And I think that's something that first stage entrepreneurs, man, that's, it's such a leg up on the competition, not on just the competition, but like, even if you're going into a market where you're the smallest guy, you have big competitors, all the tools and the cloud and the IT that we have today compared to 10, 15 years ago, it's so different and such a smaller cost. Don't you agree? Oh, I totally agree. And, and, and like almost anything in the IT sector, the prices are getting pushed down. Um, so, you know, the beauty of it is today, if I was to run a startup, is I would be looking for applications that I could easily scale, whether I was at two employees today and for the next six months, I needed to be at 10 employees and then come back down to two employees, which, you know, you know, as an example, just as a shameless plug, but you know, that's obviously what we do at Tech Commandos, but there are so many specialized apps like in marketing and in sales. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of it is if you watch your cash flow, because I mean, I, we both were talking earlier, we kind of got in this game about the same time. I think we're roughly about the same age. Yeah. And I've owned a couple of businesses along the way. And uh, boy, is it easy to empty out that wallet. I mean, oh. if, you, if you thought it was easy when you went to the grocery store with your $100, boy, I'll tell you, you can spend in seconds. They'll, they'll just gobble your money up. And for anybody out there starting a business, um, it, it is so tempting that the, the thing you want to do is the best of everything, the newness of everything. And what you want to do is you want to guard that money like a pit bull and don't let any of it out of your hands unless you're absolutely positive you need to. And you want to make sure that, you know, you got the ability to maybe reel it back if you need to as well. And if the things go really well, to expand it very rapidly. That's good advice. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like the definition of bootstrapping right there instead of trying to put it on credit cards. Of course, maybe go friends and family to raise some money, but, you know, you don't want to go put $100,000 on credit cards and credit lines before you have revenue. You want to bootstrap and generate revenue first, and then, then it becomes a whole different ballgame and trying to keep it and scale it. But talk to me about, you know, I think a hot topic that everybody wants to know about, we get this all the time in any size business, security, cybersecurity, the hackers are out there. And you talk about this geofencing as a part of the security. So Overall, talk to us about security, whether it's for the small business or for a, a much larger operation. Yeah, so I'll, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I'll get to the geofencing in a half second, but the number one thing you can do, well, this is even personal, your small, small business, or even a really big business, it is all going to come down to your daily backups and verifying that data is intact. Because if you don't have something to fall back on, it's going to, you're getting yourself in trouble because the, the challenge is, is that all these security threats, 
they're morphing all the time. And these guys don't have to be right every time. This is the right once. And if you click on the wrong link in an email or you down, your employee downloads the wrong file or somebody inserts something into your system that's rogue, you know, all of a sudden, you know, kiss it. Your data is going to be either zapped and encrypted or just ripped out from you. And at the end of the day, imagine for a moment, if you didn't have your accounting system and you didn't know your accounts receivables and you're sitting there scrambling to try to figure that one out mentally, you, you're probably going to tank your business, to be honest. Like, there, there are statistics that say a, a complete data loss is like literally a six-month death sentence, you know, a cancer to oh, your business. Yeah. So the first one is back up. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the geofencing, now this is interesting. So this isn't a guarantee, but, you know, these, a lot of these threats are from outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if they are super savvy, Alex, they're probably going to bounce off something inside the United States before they get to you. So the geofencing might not work. But the gist of it is there are IP addresses. They are listed by country. And if you just say, look, you know, nobody from these six, seven countries, I don't want to pick on any country inappropriately, but you can. I'll pick pick for you. I'll pick for you, Russia. Okay. Because actually, actually, most of our clients added um, to their backend. If if you're accessing their website from any Russian IP, it's just going to say we support Ukraine, which I think is it's great. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. But that's sort of like the, you know, it's like using VPNs and stuff. You're kind of, it's a, it's a question that our listeners, especially the parents are always asking less about the business, which you're talking about business, which I think is perfect. But a lot of parents are asking about what can they do with kids? So I talk about using a VPN, this and that, but I'm not an expert in that world. So how, how, how else can we use not only geofencing, but these other security um, features that you guys offer for the personal use people with kids, especially. Yeah, so I mean, I think one of them you mentioned that's really good is the VPN, the virtual private network. So think of it like this. If you're in your house, you're probably pretty safe. But if you're out on a cruise with your laptop or your iPad mm-hmm. and you're using, you know, Royal Caribbean's internet right, or your you're Wi-Fi. Starbucks or wherever other than where you actually know what's really happening, um, your best thing to do is to hook into a VPN and what that does is in just a really weird way, it's almost like a pipe that's hardened and all your traffic is going through that pipe and nothing from the outside can touch it. Just think of it like water going through there. That's your data streaming back and forth. It's all encapsulated and protected. And that is a really good tool, personal or business. And, and you know, as I kind of mentioned before, that backup thing, I cannot stress it enough. I mean, I've got so many photos of my family when we went to Tanzania and other countries throughout the world, I'd be crushed. And one of the things people do say, and, and I believe this to be pretty true, is, if, is to back it up. But the other one is put it in three different places. So the example yeah. is if I have it on my laptop, that's one place. If I've got it up to the cloud, let's just say, you know, whether I'm a Microsoft user or an Apple user, I can use OneDrive or the Apple iCloud or, you know, uh, Dropbox. And put it up there. And then the third one would be put it on a hard drive. And, you know, just as an example, you know, I've got hard drives right in front of me and I keep them all on there as well. And this yeah. way, you know, you're in the safest of all places. And also it's backed up. You know, James, it's the solid advice, solid advice. And I think that 
whether it's for parents or business owners, we all get lazy on things that we're not maybe we don't like doing or we're not experts in. And in the IT space, there's a lot of that. Whether you're a business owner or a parent, you're like, oh man, it's not what I do. I'm gonna have to spend time learning. But it's the these things will save you. So I I think I think like what you're talking about is perfect. We have a bunch of different hard drives that um, like you said, we've got the family pictures, the videos. And then I've got the financial stuff, all this, and you back it up to the cloud, back it up to the, the physical, and then we put it into like a fire safe. And people say, well, that's a pain in the butt. You're going in. I said, it's not. If you schedule it, you know that you're going to do this. It's, it's just being proactive so that, you know, you're not having to, you know, like it's like doing a data dump on your, on your computer network. From time to time, you have to clean it up. And I'm sure that's part of what you guys offer. So for business owners who don't want to do it, the parents who are like, ah, I, I don't want to manage all this, you know, uh, networking between the iPad and the iPhone and security. This is where the pros like yourselves come in. So do you guys, um, so do you guys specifically deal with businesses, James, or do you guys also consult for families? So this is, it, Tech Commandos really is B2B, business to business, not mm-hmm. business to consumer. Um, but, you know, definitely, you know, we've had a few clients that, you know, look, they're just like, I've got my, like, we have, like, I'll just give you like kind of a real example. You mentioned we're in Florida, and I told you I was moving down there. We have a gentleman, he's in his 80s, and he's, like, 85, mm-hmm. and um, he owns a ton of real estate, but he's just kind of just, it's being managed for him, but he's, like, you know, he owns it all, and, you know, he's, it's just him. And so, you know, one of the things is he uses our cloud desktop as a way to ensure that things are backed up because we have literally a designated employee checking every morning to see that every server is backed up. Mm. And if it isn't, why did it fail? Fix it and get it backed up, you know, and back on the road. Nice. And, you know, and even I know that, you know, you're not incorrect. We're like little human beings, but you gotta realize this is an incredibly connected world today, whether it's your personal life or your business life. And your, your number one way to not take a risk is to make sure everything is backed up. And I can't, I don't know, yeah. know the right word, to, you know, right thing to say other than, look, that's the seatbelt, right? God forbid that you have to have an accident, but boy, what a difference if you have your seatbelt on or you have your mm-hmm. seatbelt off, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a reason it's the law. And so I just say, make it a law for you, both personally and for business, Make sure you are in a safe place that you are backed up and that you got something to fall back on because I can't tell you, no one can tell you what the future is going to bring and what the next nasty little thing is going to be, whether it comes from Russia as, you know, we're at a moment right now where Ukraine war is happening and this is completely unfair and, you know, Russia is spouting off of a lot of things, but if they do a cyber event to the United States, it could be massively devastating. Mm -hmm at a personal level, let alone a business level. Yeah. And the backup is your only way out of this. Uh, that's solid advice. I think that's the key takeaway. Make sure you've got all your stuff backed up, you know, organized. I tell people, you know, just like, look, create a mind map, map it out. What needs to go where? Obviously, if you don't have the experience, go get the help. Go. There's plenty of consultants out there who can help families. Uh, there's plenty of companies here in the U.S. for businesses like yours, Tech Commandos can handle all your IT security, whatnot. So wh- how, how can our listeners find you, James? Absolutely. Well, so what we've done, we set up a dedicated page at techcommandos.com forward slash 
dadpreneur. Nice. And um, I'm going to actually have a little video on there after we get done with this. I'll post, put the video together. And um, the good news is we are a really low pressure company. We will only take you on by putting you in a trial and you telling us that this is right for you. So the good news is it's a zero risk thing. The other thing is, is that, you know, I hate pitching the company here, but, you know, you're in, no, you're in a contract saying basically your data is your property, not Tech Commando's property. Mm-hmm. And but the gist of it is, is you're in no long-term contract with us. 30 days notice, you're out. And um, that's, the, you know, that's me and my wife saying we believe in what we're doing. There's no reason to tie you up into a multi-year contract and force you to be in something you may not be happy with. If you're not happy and we're not doing our job, you should be able to leave. Well, James, you've been like really helpful. You've given us good advice. Obviously, we talk tech, family. I appreciate you sharing all your family stories and, and just spending this hour with us here. So we'll we'll put the notes, um, all the links in the in the episodes, notes, show notes. On their website, obviously, we'll we'll uh, direct them to your website with the dedicated dotpreneur page. But I really appreciate you being on the podcast today, Alex. Thank you so much. I wish you, your family, the best. All of your subscribers, the best. Uh, the best days are ahead of us, I believe. Absolutely, so. and welcome to Florida whenever that 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 time comes. <laughs> it's, I'm less than thirty days, and I'm living in Florida. So sweet. Yep. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.